Still checking IDs of the patients we recovered to figure out who's who. Almost all accounted for. Two of them were checking their emails at a local library. Just found three of them holding hands, chasing butterflies at a flea market off the 220. Butterflies? Still no idea what really went out. I'm trying to get the whole story because here's my concern. Take a look at this list. Most of them, minor offenders, mental patients. One stuck out. A2201. It's Michael Myers. Babysitter murders, 1978. 40 years to this day. Michael Myers loose with a bunch of nut bags and having fell on Halloween night? We want to have a fucking circus on our hands. But hey, what are we going to do? Castle Halloween? After Rob Zombie's second trip to Haddonfield killed pretty much everyone, the Halloween franchise went on a nine-year hiatus, the longest break between any new Halloween movie since the original had been released in 1978. Though plans for a 3D follow-up to Zombie's Halloween 2 were quickly announced, those plans never came to fruition. In fact, many new projects were rumored over the ensuing years, but no new movie was ever produced. Then, in 2016, rumors became news and excitement started to build as a new Halloween project started to develop. By 2016, Blumhouse had become one of the most prominent production companies for modern popular horror, so when it was announced that Blumhouse was working with Miramax on a new Halloween movie, it was a pretty big deal. The deal got even bigger when it was revealed that Jamie Lee Curtis would reprise her role as Laurie Strode and John Carpenter would finally come back to the series he created. As we learned more bit by bit, I personally got more and more excited. One of my favorite creative decisions prior to the movie's release was the fact that it would be not another reboot. Instead, the new Halloween would be a direct sequel to the original, ignoring all the nonsense of the sequels, including the death of Laurie Strode in Resurrection, all of the mysticism in parts 5 and 6, and even the idea that Michael and Laurie were siblings. All signs pointed to a great movie, but was the payoff equal to the build-up? Would the realignment of the series create yet another creative dead end? Find out tonight as we discuss 2018's Halloween here in The Last Theater. And welcome to part 11 of our Halloween franchise retrospective. Welcome to The Last Theater. My name is Chris. My name is Joey. And of course, if this is your first of 11, then go back to cnjradio.com. Start listening to all of those, because we've done some pretty cool stuff, I think, over the past 10 episodes. It's It's been a journey. It's not all been fun, but even the non-fun ones have been fun to talk about. Yes. So yes, all that stuff, cnjradio.com. And I, almost even more than the wrap-up show that we got coming up next. Yeah. I feel like this is the true payoff. Yeah. This is another reason why I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll tackle this series <laughs> because I knew I'd get to watch the, this new one again. Right. And you watched it like twice within the last couple days yes. building up to this. Yes. It's not a chore at all. Yeah. Like, And I was uh, just from a fanboy technical standpoint, a mm. bit let down. It's the only, And it's not part of the Scream Factory box set because, of course, the box set preceded this new movie. Right. Uh, but uh, no director cast commentary, no nothing yeah. on that end. I was a little disappointed, although there is some good insight in the very, very brief featurette 
Right. On the, you know, it's the only release we have of it right now physically, which yeah. I, I know that'll change over time. Yeah, I'm you sure. Still got, you still got double and triple features to think yeah. about down the road. Exactly. So there's that whole thing. But yeah, not, not a chore at all. And we even recorded a, uh, a knee-jerk reaction to this. We did a yeah. mini-sode of it that we haven't released. I don't know if we ever will. But the reason I bring that up is because I couldn't wait to talk about this movie yeah. after we first watched it. And we went to the theater. We saw it in the theater. Yeah. Came back and was like just freaking geeking out on it. So Yeah, because it is... The hype for this, for me, was huge. Not just because of the lengthy delay. Because it had been nine years since we'd had a movie. It had been 17 years since we had, like, of one of the original timeline Michael Myers movies. So even to have it go back to even that sort of feeling and i'm talking about the resurrection which yeah. that's not going to place very well on my wrap-up list but <laughs> that was the last thing we really got before this one in 2018 and the fact that john carpenter was back that was the big yeah. deal that when i saw that in the news things i anytime i would see something pop up in whatever feeds or, or news sites i would always click on it to see what new thing had had developed because of that 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 yeah. got me excited more than anything yeah and it didn't sound like a ceremonious title either which is what goes on sometimes yeah. with these movies yeah you as can a, put, put someone on there as an executive producer and that could mean anything yeah and it sounded like according to what he's even said in interviews lately is he's like you know this was pitched to me yeah. you know like the story the script the director all of that went through him right and i don't know what you thought about this chris i'll just ask you right out like I have nothing against Danny McBride. I've never yeah. really paid him too much mind yeah. prior to this. But where were you when you heard that he was going to be writing a script? Yeah. I mean, that's that sounds weird on the surface. It does. And this the info that we got when we first learned that, this was prior to like Get Out with Jordan Peele, known for comedy, doing Get Out, and just yeah. having that huge turnaround. I mean... Comedians have done drama and, and horror and stuff before. But yeah, with Danny McBride, I wasn't a huge fan of his. I think he's funny in the stuff I've seen him in. Yeah. But I'm not going to go see a movie because Danny McBride is in it. Right. I'm just going to be like, oh, that was a funny scene that he was in than yeah. this movie I happened to yeah. be seeing. I've seen a couple episodes of Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Nothing really against it. Nothing I felt the need to like see through to the end either. Right. So that's the thing. Yeah. I, I remember at the same time this was getting announced that he showed up in Alien Covenant. I actually liked That's him. That's right, yeah. I actually thought he was good in that. Yeah. Uh, I actually got into his character enough to where I was sympathetic towards his character, right. believe it or not. Yeah. So even something weird like that, which, you know, I don't think he had anything to do with the script. or, yeah. But, you know, kind of after that, I was like, okay, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see. I wasn't scared that he was there. I yeah. was just like, huh. And, you know, maybe it's more of his partner that he writes with. I don't have his name in front of me, but, you know, I was like, okay. You know, but the yeah. fact that Carpenter is back. And then also made me think, ooh, that'd be really cool. I mean, I heard about Jamie Lee, of course. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool if he could do the score. Yeah. And I remember even uh, about a year before that came out, mm. Trip Reznor and Atticus Ross, they score uh, pretty much all the David Fincher movies now yeah. Yeah. together. And they kind of, I feel like they almost put a bid out for it yeah. a year before this movie came out because they put out their own version of the Halloween theme right. song, which is really great if you haven't heard it. Yeah. And I might be playing it this week on Rock Strikes 10. <laughs> However... I was like, kind of like, oh, well, that'd be cool if they got it. But right. then I was like, well, I'll push all that aside yeah. if John Carpenter's back behind yeah. the piano and yeah. I got my wish. Yeah. So, yeah. And talking, if they're going back to the field of the original, like we've said throughout this entire series that so many, except for Rob Zombie, I think every director 
and the director of part three. Every director has said that they're going back to the feel of the original, but the feel of the original is so much part of the music or vice versa. I should really say the music is so much part of the feel of it to have Carpenter back at the head of the scoring table i guess for lack of a better phrasing yeah. and along with like what is it, his godson and his son right? yeah i think or so yeah because yeah. he'd worked on some of the other ones but it was in a much less lesser capacity yeah. but to have him be there to be able to to oversee the scoring and creative input that was a huge deal for me and the fact that jamie lee curtis after what had happened with her previous movies <laughs> yeah. Knowing that she has such a strong vision of this character and knowing that she is back with John Carpenter and they're cool, they're on the same page with it, that gave me a lot of hope for for what this movie would be. Yeah, and the writers said that they went overtly out of their way to appeal to Jamie. It's like, we're going to come at her with a script that she literally could not deny. Yeah. And I think they came up with one. Yeah, for sure. So back to your question, Danny McBride. Same. I felt the same way. I wasn't scared. I was. I was like, okay, that seems random to me because I didn't even know he wrote anything. Honestly, I, sure. I, I didn't know that. Um, the director is David Gordon Green, and I had seen a couple of his movies. He did Pineapple Express, which well, I thought was well, fine. That that there's the tie-in right yeah. there, Danny McBride. Okay, He's, they've worked together on a yeah. few movies, yeah. co-written a few. Um, Danny McBride hasn't written a lot of movies, but sure. he did a lot of television. He did like Eastbound right. and Down, yeah. Vice Principals, things like that. Um, but David Gordon Green had written a few of his own movies, and a lot of the ones that he wrote and directed, he worked with Danny McBride in some creative capacity. Okay. It seemed like. In my quick uh, IMDb like <laughs> comparison thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, David Gordon Green hadn't really done horror. I think he'd done like a thriller, which I hadn't seen before, but it was like comedy he did stronger with uh jake gyllenhaal the one where he's oh, like a recovering the, yeah. uh, soldier oh wow yeah um, I, so heavy those drama. are movies i don't want to see yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I just and all respect to right. servicemen but sure and people of the world but yeah i watched that trailer going well i'm not watching that right. i mean that's just one of those things <laughs> yeah. i don't do yeah so <laughs> to have this group of people one yeah, it seems kind of random to me, to us, I guess, looking up at Hollywood from down here yeah. and seeing, like, okay, those people? Sure, why not? Uh, but at the same time, as opposed to so many of the directors, except for Rob Zombie, of the other movies we had talked about, they'd been first time or very early in their careers. David Gordon Green was a seasoned professional by this yeah, point. Especially by comparison. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So but to, Probably about the same amount of experience that Carpenter had going into his first one. Uh, you probably, at least, uh, yeah. Yeah, a few years, yeah, of, yeah. like a few features, if the, you know, yeah. just a couple. <laughs> so to have a strong Hollywood base with Blumhouse involved in it, even though I'm not a fan of all the movies they produce, I am a fan of some of them, and... To have Carpenter back to kind of rein in all of this stuff in the like Godfather capacity of it, yeah. I think it all just was this like thing that it all just came together in the right way. I'm even just curious how Universal even fits into this whole thing. Yeah, it, it really just only gives you that feel of like those like part two, three, four right. kind of thing. Yeah, like that's the original house in a way. Yeah, but 
it just seems weird that they're involved. There's like five production companies involved yeah, in this it's thing. Like so. Miramax, Blumhouse. There's another one that that guy um, Yablons that I talked about way back on like the second one. Oh, really? Something that's, that that's he's his? involved with. I don't oh, know if he's yeah. still involved with it or he was before. Maybe it's a contract thing. Maybe so. And then yeah, and then Universal distributed. So he'll... and Malik. So uh, yeah, Malik Akkad <laughs> was back. He's been producing. He was not an executive producer in this one since. I think Zombie's first one, he was a producer yeah. instead of the executive producer capacity, like his father. I, be- usually was. I believe it's a family owning the intellectual property and yeah. having a bit of a vote at the table kind of thing. Yeah, it seems like he's pretty, not super involved, but he has input on, yeah. on the creative uh, direction. It, it was just really neat to see his name at the top. Let's yeah. say, there's so many fanboy gimmies and high fives in this one. Yeah. And it starts off right there. You got the old Fawn is back. Yeah, I, I can be very civil at times, Chris. <laughs> right. This is one of those instances. People try to get cute with this series, yeah. and this is, and I'll probably say it again at the end of this episode, this is an example where they didn't keep it simple, but they kept it where they should have had it all along if they yeah. insisted on the character continuing. Yeah. Just And I know, obviously, another reason why this movie is so good is because it got to kind of almost sit back and not exist and watch everybody else fuck it up. It had the benefit of <laughs> everyone else trying to move beyond what the original was. and Even Carpenter. Yeah, exactly. And even to, the to studios. <laughs> to different degrees of success or failure. And 40 years later, it's perfect time to come back and be like, alright, we're just going to do the original basically again and then add some stuff to the end. Which yeah. is sort of kind of what they did. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But yeah, they definitely had the benefit of that. So 11 movies into this series, if they had done the original movie 11 times over 40 years, it would get boring. Yeah. But they had the benefit of being able to do something like that because nothing else in between really did it. Yeah. And I, I don't want to dissect this scene for scene because it would be a three-hour show if we sure. did. But like I said, the first high five, Malika Kod presents, you got the old font, you got the pumpkin back on the screen. Yeah. And I found out that's not even a computer. They actually like put a camera on a pumpkin for like two weeks yeah. and had it dissolve. And then you just reverse it for and the thing. I mean, that's not even... So you didn't even go to computers. You yeah. went old school for that. And that's amazing that they did that. And the whole rebuilding the pumpkin coming back to life or the jack-o'-lantern coming back to life. I mean, it's an obvious metaphor, but yeah. it works perfectly because it doesn't need to be like super deep. It's exactly what it is. And, I mean, even going back to the the evolution of the, the pumpkin in the movies, it's like the first one was just the pumpkin, and the second one was the skull, and the third one was the computer one, and yeah. one of them, they had him slashing it up and everything, so... Yeah. and I, I dig that slash, yeah. but, yeah. Again, benefit of moving beyond and then coming back, it's like, all right, building it back to the original. Yeah, this is great radio, but I'm showing Chris a photo of a screenshot I just took when I rewatched it today mm-hmm. of the pumpkin as it's been in uh, reflated. Uh-huh. And did you notice is it, am I crazy or is the nose very close to the thorn symbol? Uh yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I, don't I mean know it looks more was... like a hatchet almost. It looks like a either a hatchet or like a stubby uh, butcher knife, or yeah. it could be the thorn symbol. If it was just a little bit pointier on the left, yeah. it'd be the thorn symbol. Yeah. And it's not dead on, but I was like, is, is there enough fandom in this to where they're referencing as many of the uh, sequels as possible? Maybe. I saw that the first yeah. time, and I was like, I don't know. Maybe. But uh, you decide yourself. So this would probably be a good time to say, since we've been very general up until this point. Mm. And, man, when was the last time I said this? If you haven't seen this movie, <laughs> yeah. 
pause the show now and go watch it. I feel like a lot of people I've talked to, besides you, Chris, and Mm. a few others, haven't really seen this movie. Oh, really? The box office would tell you otherwise. Yeah, I thought it did, like, super well. It did very well, but... I don't know people that have really seen this all that much. So mm. I got to really recommend, if you missed out, if you slept on it last year, do yourself the favor. Yeah. Go watch it now. Spoilers from here on out. Let's go. Yeah, I do think it's one of the better straight up old school feel, old school-ish feel horror movies, slasher movies. Because slashers got so self-referential and tried to get too cute with things over the past 20 years. Yeah. And this one felt like, I mean, it is what it is. And here's here's another fun one. I'm going to put you on the spot, Chris. Okay. So, and you, I know you love this. Okay, we talk about adjusted for inflation, all that stuff. Yeah. What was the budget? Do you remember of the first Halloween movie? I really do. A few do. hundred thousand. That's something, yeah. What do you think the budget was for this movie? Um, thirty million. Ten million. Wow. Okay. Which is wow. probably adjusted for that 1970 yeah. inflation, probably close yeah. to that. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe a little over. Yeah. Probably about maybe even if it's yeah. half that, some of these movies and the bigger ones, you know, mm-hmm. your Marvels and your Star Wars and or anything that's under the Disney umbrella at sure. this point, they spent like two hundred million dollars on these movies. Chris. Yeah, yeah. They made this for ten million, and they conveyed almost as much emotion as some of these other movies. Now, yeah. I, there's a lot of Marvel movies where you, you can't hardly come close sure. to matching emotion. However, as far as like how I felt about being a fan and, yeah. and enjoying myself, it's this is proof, <laughs> and it should be obvious, but I, I guess it's yeah. not anymore. This is proof that you can get it done and have, be successful yeah. in the theaters. And there's dramas that get made for more than that that go straight to video. Right. It's just it's just a weird time. Yeah. But and I, horror has always been a pretty, I wouldn't say easy, but a very profitable genre because you can make them cheaper. Yeah. And you can make them good on cheaper budgets because mm-hmm. you don't need a whole bunch of stuff, really. You, I'm sure Jamie Lee Curtis got a pretty good salary for it, and the directors and writers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where a lot of the money went. Mm-hmm. I know there's some computer effects here and there just to help polish things, but overall, you can't really, you don't really see any of that. I, I don't recall seeing much mm-hmm. of any of it. I mean, obviously, some of the blood and effects. Yeah. There's a few in there. It's like. Okay, especially like the knife through the throat, uh, through, sure. through the yeah, house. That was pretty clear. Definitely computer. Looks good still. Yeah. It didn't look so yeah. fake. Yeah. Uh, so it, it worked. And... But there's a lot, like, just thinking about, well, I'll get to the kill list, and the kill <laughs> list is pretty extensive <laughs> yeah, in this one, too. I noticed that. But the the more disturbing kills, for me, sometimes, were the ones that you didn't really even see, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things about horror that's so great. I'll, I'll say specifically when we get to that portion of the show... But that's one thing that's great. And thinking of back, because we're doing the wrap-up show on the next episode of this on cnjradio.com, and thinking back about some of my favorite kills through the series, or the ones that disturbed me more, tended to be like strangulations and, and things like that, where there weren't a whole lot of blood and, and gimmicks and effects and things and everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't know, I'm, it's a weird tangent I'm going on, but it's just talking about, yeah... I'm happy that they were able to be so profitable for a movie that we waited 40 years for, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't. I'm not 40 sure. years old. Sure, but, yeah. but anybody that was around at the time, yeah. if this was your favorite movie at the time, and maybe yeah. it still is, I feel like this is one of the ultimate payoffs. Yeah. And I, I've even said this. this is, for me, as a watcher, as a fan, one of the one of the great payoffs ever. Yeah. I've 
I can only get close to equating it with, honestly, some of these recent Star Wars movies for me. Awesome, yeah. So I'm really feeling my movie <laughs> fandom in the last yeah. few years. I, I feel like I'm in the golden years of being a fan yeah. of movies. And yeah. I, I'm just happy. And, then, <laughs> yeah. and this is something you may not hear on a lot of social media, so right. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb here. Sure. Very little complaints. I really have one nitpick about this whole movie yeah. and it's not even something that happens the whole movie mm. so i have some things that when we initially talked about it the night after we watched it and, and recorded that little thing and talked about it and talked about it over the next few weeks because we kept talking about it yeah. over and over but i have a few things that i in my brain i would have rather seen the direction go but i realized that that's not what this movie is so the movie that we did get, I'm very satisfied with it, yeah. like top to bottom. One question before we get into the movie proper for you, since you are so happy about this and such a big fan of this movie specifically, but in the genre or the franchise as a whole, did the extreme disappointment of Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween in any way make this one feel that much better? Like, was it a comparison thing or was it just like... Do you think that played a factor? Well, for sure. Specifically the 2007 Rob yeah. Zombie attempt. It, that's the one that hurts the most. Yeah. Just because of the fact that it's supposed to be the the replacement. Right. Basically. Yeah. And some people will argue, no, it's not a replacement because you still have the old one. And that's fine. I yeah. I can see that side of it, too. It's like Batman. Right. If, if, uh, if Affleck's not your favorite Batman and uh, whose is, then you've got Keaton still <laughs> and, you, and you got Bale and yeah. you got Adam West. So you see my point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Okay. I'm not going to argue this or debate this. It's sure. just, it's out there, but yeah. yeah. So it, it, it takes this thing away a little bit. I still hate it, but <laughs> yeah. I will say I felt like maybe the suffering added to my enjoyment. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's so to answer your question long in a long form. Yes. Yes, cool. it is. Cool. <laughs> well, you want to jump into the movie? What we think about it? Yeah. And right off the bat, I just like the way it starts. And yeah. I was like, if we don't get the pumpkin right away, we, we do get yeah. it, but we have to get through this little scene first no. not get through. It's not a bad scene. <laughs> yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. And I gotta say, and I, I, I'm going all the way back to the first episode. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite shot in the entire film is right in that scene. And it's the aerial shot where you're looking at Michael. It's it's like it's not a huge aerial shot, but it's aerial enough. From, it's, from above, yeah. in that checkerboard, like outside area. Yeah. yeah, that is the money shot for me. Yeah. I, I just was so... That instantly got me in the film. Yeah. I was just like, ooh. Because it's neat, it's sparse. You see that he's... You know that he's been isolated in this... Is it still Smith's Grove? Yes, it yeah. is. Yes, it is. He's been isolated in Smith's Grove for 40 years. Yeah. They still got the same record player, too. <laughs> yeah. But then you actually have that line, the, the box around him that people yeah. aren't supposed to step in. So physically, he is... Not just mentally, but physically, he's separated. So it's... That shot has a lot in it. Yeah. Not just what you see, but what you feel. And you can see that all the patients that are out during yeah. quote-unquote recess hours are all chained to anvils. Yeah. And so the box represents, this is the length of the chain. Yeah. Or like exactly. in your, and whatever they may have adjusted for reach. I yeah. don't know. But, I would assume so, yeah. But uh, yeah, hopefully. So it sets the table brilliantly right then and there yeah uh the new guy's great i uh i don't i'll have his name in front of me in a second here when i get <laughs> right. my notes out but yeah 
uh, just that presence and yeah. uh, like without without the mask on, without the jumpsuit on. Yeah, he is Michael, and I understood it. Yeah, uh, even if even though they told me this, I still was like, okay, I'm buying into. Yeah, this. and I loved how they shot him throughout the movie when he didn't have the mask on because it was you sort of saw the side of his face, but sure. you didn't really see all of it. And if you did see a front of you, it was. The, the depth of focus was very short, so yeah. he was blurred if you ever saw the front of his face. Yeah. But you could tell that he had a scar on his eye from where yeah. Laurie stabbed him with a coat hanger in the original. Yeah. And yeah, so it's it was it was really well done. And who gets the movie running along? Who gets the plot moving along? Podcasters. Right, yeah. <laughs> a very modern way to, to get the movie going. <laughs> and yeah, so talking about the exposition people in the movie... The podcasters were the exposition people in Halloween 2018. Yeah. I liked them. They were given enough personality for me to... Well, I didn't like the guy necessarily, but I liked them as a pair. Yes. And I liked him as a character, and I like her both as a character and a person. Yeah. I don't think he was a garbage person, but he was very much the uh, delusions of grandeur podcaster, thinks he's doing like the the biggest news investigative reporting thing in history when he's probably got like 10 listeners across the country or, right. or world or whatever i can relate and also <laughs> he like every podcaster in the world when he starts his show thinks he's going to make a lot of money doing yeah. this yeah. by the way i don't know any podcaster that's got three grand on right. any time <laughs> but apparently he does in a novel well actually i guess his partner does yeah but yeah, I think he's going to make money off you're not. You're not right. right. I mean, you know, I guess if you had gotten him to say something, first of all, people would have said you faked it. Right. Second of all, you know, maybe you would have gotten a book deal, I guess. Yeah. But it, it, that all being said, yeah, no, no, you're not. Exposition. And I'm learning that thing that I, I think you said it. I'm going to give you credit for this, Chris, because okay. I consider you the expert. Okay. Is that I really follow these things now in movies. You haven't ruined movies for me, but I do <laughs> that whole thing about, okay, when does the use on this person wear out? Yeah. And as soon as they left Lori's place, yeah. I knew that they were going to get killed. Yeah. Because I was like, well, they're definitely not going the distance. Right. These, you know, I, I never think about the exposition, honestly, not until really. later on. Yeah. So you're good at that, but I'm not. Yeah. But I was like, well, they've worn out their use. They're done yeah. for. And I knew as soon as they stopped at that gas station, it was curtains for them. Yeah. I mean, they set everything up perfectly because they went, they introduced Michael. They introduced you to Dr. Sartain, who was the guy that took over for Loomis. He was yeah. apparently a student or a colleague of Loomis before... Yeah. Dr. Loomis passed away at yes. some point in between. Yeah. Uh, original student, colleague later, yeah. and then uh, went to the state and yeah. said, put me in charge of Michael. Yeah. So, yeah. And looking back, since I've seen the movie three times now, looking back at that opening scene where the podcasters go out to Michael in the, the courtyard and whatever the male podcaster guy, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Yeah, sorry. Whenever he looks back over his shoulder at Dr. Sartain and he's, he nods at him and he yeah. pulls out the mask, I'm like, that's really stupid. Like, you probably shouldn't do that because Michael... But knowing what happens later in the movie with Dr. Sartain, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Whereas in the moment when I first watched it, I was like, that's kind of weird. But now it makes sense. It was a tell because you see Dr. Sartain wants to see if Michael reacts to it because yeah. he wants he's he's the anti Loomis and I'll get to that a bit. Sure, yeah. Even later. though he, he he definitely and I like how throughout the, all the movie he doesn't tell you 
that he's the new Loomis. Yeah. He doesn't want you to feel the same as yeah. he does for Loomis. He seems to really love Loomis. And even later on, when yeah. Lori meets him for the first yeah. time, she says, oh, you're the new Loomis. Yeah. And he kind of shakes his head no. He doesn't yeah. say no, yeah. but he shakes his head no. Well, and so from I the, like that. Yeah, and from the meta sense, he's not. And I never, yeah. no. never once, even before the turn at the end, I never felt that way. Yeah. Lori is absolutely the new Loomis. He is <laughs> right. Loomis in this movie, 100%. <laughs> um, and I wish it had been a little more than 100%, but we'll get to that okay. in some of my... Uh, later on, I'll talk about some of the things where if it, if I was in control, if I was in the Danny McBride seat... Yeah. Where I may have tried to steer the the script, but who am I? Yeah, I just I love that opening scene, and then after that, the podcasters go and they get Lori's side of the story. So they set up Michael, they set up Lori, what she's been doing for forty years. They catch you up completely. Yeah. He has the mask on him, and then they go to a gas station. So you know, like he's killed people in gas stations how many times in movies? Quite a few. Yeah, there's there's a few. I never realized how much they used this part for these movies mm -hmm. throughout and I might maybe I'll even address a few of those on the wrap up show mm -hmm. but uh and, and later on this episode too there's a little teaser for you but right off the bat I don't want to get into every single uh nod to the original yeah there's a time uh, because first of all you can go on YouTube for that but also I'd rather once again if you still haven't turned it off and watched the movie like you should if you haven't seen it yet <sighs> we're going to get into those but I'm not going to do a laundry list but the things I point I like to point out that maybe people may miss yeah. without insulting yeah. anybody, uh, right off the bat, and we and this is neat. We watched the deleted scenes before mm -hmm. we did this episode, mm -hmm. and in the deleted scenes, they have a, a, a segment where Lori is shooting guns out on her property uh -huh. at these mannequins that she's collected, and then when she's done, the podcasters show up to her house. Now yeah. that in the original yeah. movie. In the theatrical cut, mm -hmm. that montage with the shooting takes place later on in the film when you think that she's had a bad day and she's a little more disturbed. Yeah. Now, this is the beginning of her day in the original mm -hmm. idea, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I'm glad that they moved it around the way they did because if they hadn't, then we wouldn't have met Lori the way we did in this theatrical cut. And it's not yeah. because it's, this is what I saw first. I like that it, it makes way more sense because you're still curious. Yeah. Almost as curious to see Michael's face. You're just as curious yeah. before you get to that point of seeing Lori's face. Yeah. What does Lori look like? Yeah. And especially coming off of H2O, yeah. which doesn't count anymore, right. but we have it in our heads. Like when they revisited this, she was prim and proper. She was a school mom. Yeah. She had the short hair, yeah. like she had her Trading Places haircut. Yeah. And she opens the door after taking off 12 locks Something and a bar like on the door. Yeah. Uh, and even the little latch thing that you, we've seen this in movies, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> People can just kick it open. Yeah. Anyway, it's an old house. We see her face for the first time, mm. and she hasn't, she's aged, but she has the exact same hairstyle yeah. as she did on the first night. Yeah. And that tells you everything. Yeah, absolutely. She stopped. She hasn't she, moved on. She hasn't. It's like she's grown, she's mm. aged, but she hasn't moved on. Yeah. She has spent no time with herself yeah. on the surface. Everything's internal. And that's a visual representation of what they explicitly say later on when her granddaughter Allison literally says, move on, like get over it yeah. and move on. Like, we, are, we already knew that, just like you said, just by looking at her. Yeah, and I like that she did it too, because you yeah. don't expect her to say that. Yeah. She seems sympathetic to her grandparents. Like, yeah, like, she is. Yeah. Like no matter how kind of... Sh with family, and I can relate to some yeah. of this on different levels... 
like aunts and uncles and grandparents, if they're shitty, yeah. you still kind of ask about them and you still kind of care yeah. about them because they weren't your parents. Yeah. They seem a little cooler and almost kind of more mysterious because you don't know as much yeah. about them. Yeah. So there's that. So when she just lays it out there in front of her later on when mm-hmm. uh, she, uh, when she hangs out at school mm-hmm. because they, they put her in the uh, little Michael Station wagon position uh, yeah. uh, outside the classroom. I like that. That was fine. Yeah, it was fine. a super obvious reference, but I liked it. Total cool. No station wagon. So uh, but so it's it's different enough. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that shit. And might as well point out since we're bringing up this scene, or since I brought up the scene, yeah. PJ Souls got a cameo. I'm glad they didn't show her. Yeah, and I like PJ Souls because yeah. if they had showed her, I think it's a little confusing and a little weird. Yeah, because she's supposed to be dead. Right. Yeah. Even though she, if she's even if she's playing a different character, and obviously yeah. she is, I just like that they just leave, use her voice, leave it as is. She was the voice of Allison's teacher in class. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for pointing that out because yeah. I failed to mention it just <laughs> yeah. now. Before we move on a little bit, I did want to say something about that opening scene with the podcasters going to Lori's house. So the first scene, the podcasters go to uh, Smith's Grove, and it's it's basically a prison for insane people. Okay. And then they leave from there, and they go to another prison. Yeah, Is I like that. Insane? It's it's sort of it actually beckons to the first movie. It does driving it, the station wagon. That's exactly they... what I was yeah, yeah. getting to. Is okay, like sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's fine because yeah, it's they drive up and there's the gate. Um, the gate isn't open and there aren't crazy people walking around, but <laughs> they well, they're they're inside. They're they're plastic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's literally another prison where mm-hmm. Lori has put herself in. And I just like the fact that you hear Lori's voice before you actually see her face. And you see her hands opening the locks before you actually see her face. So, talking about the deleted scene, it was deleted for a very good reason. And, yeah, it's just it's super well done. Because they visually tell you everything you need to know before you actually get into the the specifics of just talking about the plot. I love the three grand they bribe her with yeah. that she still takes after two minutes. Yeah. But she gives it directly yeah. to her granddaughter. Yeah. Fucking awesome. That's that that's a beast move right yeah. there. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I thought the Lori character was great. I liked how they portrayed her in this one. Not like super not like the Lori character from the zombie ones where she's yeah. just angry, mad. I mean there's been enough time and even a little bit or actually a lot different from the Lori character from H2O in that yeah. timeline because she's obviously she had some sort of relationship because she has a daughter and a granddaughter yeah. but clearly she's been on her own for most of that time and her daughter was even taken away from her at one point and because she wasn't raising her as a child she was raising her in fear of the boogeyman for yeah. her entire life I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because something I noticed this third time around. Mm-hmm. Now we've all seen it equally. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So this third time around, I noticed this. So, okay. One of the big things that might make some people's eyes roll when they watch it is the the house. The the model of the Myers house. Oh, yeah. Inside Lori's house. I, my eyes roll a little bit. Right. So what I what I liked about it now this time around was they show a flashback to mm-hmm. when um, her daughter is taken away mm-hmm. uh, when she's 12, I believe she said. Okay. When you go see that scene, you see it from the POV of the child services person, mm-hmm. and you, they, they go into her room, and they see her sitting on the bed. The dollhouse is there. The Myers house is there, but it's not. It's a dollhouse at that point. It's the open dollhouse with where you set the table and you put the dolls in there and you, yeah. you make your own little whatever girls do uh-huh. with their dollhouses. Sure. So that tells me, and I didn't see a open thing on it, 
This mm-hmm. tells me that as soon as her child was taken away, she built a model of the Myers house over her daughter's old doll house. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And that makes me forgive the house being mm-hmm. there because yeah. it's so symbolic. And it's that little yeah, thing yeah. that's there. It's so symbolic of... I, it's kind of her closing off the memory of her daughter, obviously. Yeah. But it's yeah. also so much of the fact that she just still can't get over it. And yeah. I'm not asking her to. Right. But I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see that in any of my viewings. Yeah. And I just picture Lori sitting there manically on the floor. Yeah. Like, leaving it exactly in the same place and just making it look like that house. Yeah. I mean, that... Made me that blew my mind. I was yeah. like, "Wow!" Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. And there's, I think there's a lot of touches like that throughout the movie. Um, but overall, like even without that, even if this is your first or second Halloween, I think it still works as a a good movie throughout. A, like I said, it's one of the better, definitely one of the better slashers in recent memory over the past decade or two, for sure. Like easily. I I liked the whole Strode clan. I thought the the uh, her daughter Karen, I believe, was her daughter, and yeah, then Judy Ray, Greer. Yeah. yeah, Judy Greer, who is the perennial mom and like everything, yeah. and um, and and with this, I love it. With this, we have Ant Man, and Ant Man's original wife has now appeared yeah. in Halloween movies, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And I liked uh, Ray, like Allison's dad. Ray, he was he was fun. He was a, kind of a throwaway character. He was definitely comedic relief for a lot of the scenes. Sure, but he was everything that Buster Rhymes tried to be right. in Resurrection, but he nailed it. Right. And it's because of the kind of character he is. Yeah. He's that dad that definitely was kind of a fuck-up. Yeah. And now he's like a dad now. He's like overly dad. Yeah. So he does talk out loud. And he, all his internal dialogue is out there. And there's that connection <laughs> because Allison's boyfriend, Cameron... His dad was one of the bullies that bullied Tommy in the original Halloween. Yep. And Allison's dad was friends with Cameron's dad. Yeah. So was he one of the bullies too? I'm not they, sure about that. They don't really say. Yeah. It, it's, it, I mean, it's there if they want it to be. Yeah. So that, that'd be kind of... I wonder if they'll touch on that in these upcoming they sequels. Because Tommy's going to be in the next one for sure. Really? So, yeah. Ooh. Sorry, did I spoil no, that for well, you? I mean, I don't, that's fine. <laughs> Um, I have a question for you, Chris. Yeah. And before we get too far into this movie, mm-hmm. uh, my brain is still in the first act or two. Sure. Why do they keep transferring Michael? I, I realize that number four doesn't count anymore. Yeah. So there's like like they transfer him, he gets loose. Don't transfer the guy. Yeah. I guess they all, they have to learn the lesson for the first time because it's retcon now. But yeah, I mean it's, it's just been forty kinda... years, and like the boyfriend <laughs> of Vicky, I can't remember his name, but the other kind of goofy kid. That just had some funny lines. He blew up the pumpkin. He was yeah. saying like it was one night and he killed like four people. Yeah, four people plus his sister. So there were yeah. five. five. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, it was one night. It was just a few people. Like, what's the big deal? And in this universe, it is. It is yeah. just one night. So transferring an inmate twice in forty years, it doesn't seem that unusual. Yeah, I guess not. And he's on a like a you know. He's on this list of like a dozen yeah. that are getting transferred. So I guess yeah, and they explain this. I'm not saying that's yeah. a bad move. I'm I just saying it, just yeah. like why would you, why would you even why would you do it on, on Halloween? Like, well, the yeah, there's also Halloween that's too. a really bad move. Like somebody <laughs> should have said, hey, wait, this is funny. Yeah, like don't don't mess with it. Yeah. It's like uh, okay, but that all being said, it actually got me to Google 
uh, death penalty in the state of Illinois. Okay. And if we're going, they their timeline is right on there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 1978 is when he came back. Yes. The Illinois reinstated the death penalty in 1977. Okay. And I realize if you, you, you put him to death, no movie. Right. I, I get all that. Yeah. But it's interesting to me is that he killed five people mm-hmm. and he didn't get the death penalty in a time where it was legal in the state of Illinois. Yeah. And even has that audio of the, by the way, another great voiceover for Loomis. Yeah. They got another guy to do that stuff that's on the handheld. And I liked that it was on a cassette deteriorated enough to where it didn't need to sound 100% like him. Because sure. you can mess with the audio. But he recommends death for Michael. like, And that's oh, nothing yeah. that we ever heard yeah. from his character uh, in the original movies. That's he, right, yeah. He, to a point, gave up on him as a person. Yeah. And even the original Loomis establishes this. Yeah. But just the fact that you're hearing something. And they even said that this recording was from 1979. This is the stuff they're listening to in the hotel. Uh-huh. Uh, the motel. It's definitely a motel, by yeah. the way, because you gave away three grand, right. and now you got no place to stay. Hardly, <laughs> you got to stay in the same place that uh, somebody in a Rob Zombie movie would have stayed in. <laughs> so, you hear him say, "In 1979, a year yeah. after the uh, the second uh, incident, yeah. is that he recommended death." Wow, and that yeah, that was I that was so, a big yeah. thing for me for yeah, Lewis's yeah. character. But I was like, he stayed issued. He's Michael's patient, yeah. and he's recommending death. How are they not putting him to death? I mean, like, I know everybody, 50 psychiatrists saw yeah. him. They want to study the guy. I mean, you got I'm this sure, guy yeah. that, you got this guy that spent 15 years with him and says, you need to put him out to pasture. And then you need to burn the body right away. Yeah. But and they don't do it. You go back to the original and nobody listened to Loomis anyway. Yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. why the whole thing happened in the first place. Yeah. So I'm sure, and you say the death penalty and... There's an appeal after appeal, and they they sit on. Who's death talking row for, for him? Yeah, well, <laughs> he's the not state, the state. You know, I mean, I don't know the specifics of all I that, know. but I know I that know. it gets drawn out so much. And that... then once Sartain enters the picture, you know he's pushing for him not to be. And you can imagine, knowing what happens to Sartain later in the movie, you can imagine that he, even when he was a student and colleague, that he was trying to undermine Loomis, knowing that Loomis wanted to get rid of Michael, but Sartain wanted to know more about Michael. He was probably, there's a story there for sure behind the scenes, and that's probably a long reason why it's finally 40 years later he's being transferred to go off and die or whatever. Can we talk about the Sartain? We've danced around a little bit. Why don't we just, because we can talk about stuff that happened prior to it. I I feel like it's important enough to bring up. And when I sat with you and watched this a few days ago, you even told me, I remember sitting in the theater going, Oh crap, is the movie about to fall apart? Yeah, I did because so Dr. Sartain, if you haven't seen the movie by now, <laughs> good tough. god, we already warned yeah. you three freaking times. <laughs> but so of course Michael escapes out of the transfer bus and later we find out that it was probably because of Dr. Sartain because Sartain is out and he's doing the Loomis thing where he's trying to find Michael in Haddonfield because Michael is on the loose. You think he's responsible for the bus I think crash? he had a part to do with it, yeah. Wow. 100% I do. Neat theory. I mean, I guess it yeah. does make more sense, go, you know, with what yeah. you're about to say, but you know, that has never entered my really? mind for some weird I mean, ass reason. Because none of the the guard or the driver, neither one, I think lived through the bus crash so and the guard was dead outside of the crash so i think a hundred percent that sartain had something to do with that Mm, all right yeah so he deserved to get shot by that kid in the shoulder (laughs) i love it yeah and by the way that kid is awesome there's good kids in this movie i'll get to the other one later but i really like that kid and 
damn them for making me feel something for that kid. Yeah. And he becomes the first, like, well, not the, he's the youngest casualty. Yeah. And the first real little kid that was killed. And you, you tried to deny it twice now that you didn't think that he killed him, but you hear that snap. Yeah. I heard it this time. I didn't want to hear it the first two times. I was like, man, I mean, but what can you say? He kills dogs too, right so. yeah uh and by the way he killed a dog in a deleted scene it doesn't count it doesn't count for this count yeah, yeah. but he did do it again yeah, yeah they did film that they wrote it and they filmed it so yeah. they tried yeah so he would have killed a kid and a dog in right. this fucking that, that's just you could i'm sure they were like you can have one or the other right we actually prefer the kid one because that kid's really good right so let's go with that <laughs> So Dr. Sartain ends up with the sheriff as that kind of character usually does in the Halloween movies. And eventually it ends up to where it's Sartain and the sheriff guy. I don't know if he's actually a sheriff, but the policeman. It's like Hawkins or something like that. Yeah. Or, but And he was the guy, and they said in the story, and they have to get somebody to tell Lori this to tell us yeah. in the movie, is that this was the first responder that night yeah. that you were being attacked. Yeah. He was the guy that took Michael, helped to take Michael into custody, and he made sure that Loomis didn't kill him. Yeah. Not knowing anything about him, obviously. So, at that so time. was he the guy that surreptitiously like snatched the body out from underneath the balcony in, in the original movie? I, I would guess so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's how I deal with that. Yeah. Is he was very injured at the time. Yeah. So he was the most vulnerable he was yeah. ever going to be because yeah. he had a whole clip emptied out. Not a whole clip, the whole round emptied yeah. out on him. Leave that in. And, you know, hobbling around, uh, and he, he could have even been, it could almost maybe even mirrored what we, what we saw in two, but we're not supposed to see now yeah. is that he just got hit by a car. Yeah. That, the right person got hit by the car this time. Right. And then they just threw him in the back. Yeah. I'm so there sure, you go. Probably. Done deal. Bada bing. And, and that's exactly what happens in this Halloween. He gets hit by the car by the, <laughs> by Hawkins and Sartain is there as well. And Hawkins is like, stay in the car. Oh, by the way, another reference to two, obviously. But the boombox kid is also... Yeah, is, and is I a, didn't even notice that until you, you ran it back and pointed it out. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, sorry for the sidebar. Yeah. But yeah, we, we talked about boombox kids so much in the Halloween 2 episode. Yeah. There's a little, little kid, not so much a teenager, but yeah. a little kid dressed up as like DMC or something. Yeah. And, like a tiny boombox. Yeah, and they do the reference to the kid outside the school running into Michael again, yeah. setting the table here. Yeah. But what a great reference and throw in for number two. Yeah, I thought that Just, was cool. Yeah, okay, so back to Sartain. <laughs> so Sartain, of course, doesn't listen, and he gets out. And so in the opening scene, I remember the first time watching... Sartain has that weird pen with, like, the, the spine on it, like, the human spine on yep. the side of the pen. I was like, why are they showing me that? <laughs> and then later on, at this scene, whenever Hawkins is going to check to see if Michael is actually dead after hitting him with the car, he pulls out that pen again, and there's a blade in it, and he ends up stabbing Hawkins. Oh. Allison is actually in the car at this time as well. She's in, yeah. the, in the back of yeah. the cop car. Which means she can't get away. Which means she is locked in there and can't yeah. get away. And so what I'm getting to is whatever... So the turn of Sartain, it surprised me a little bit because I wasn't catching on to all the obvious tells that were actually in the movie that going back and watching a second time I can see now. Yeah, of course. But whenever he came back with the mask on... I got real scared. I thought the movie <laughs> the was about part of the to whole go. Movie. Yeah, I thought the movie was about to go off the rails because even if he had taken up like twenty minutes of the movie as like a killer, yeah. I would have been upset. Oh, me too, yeah. for sure. I, I this I like this movie so much. I almost feel like they 
put that in to add tension to people like us. Yeah. Like, no, you think this is going to be bullshit, <laughs> yeah. but we're just going to pull the rug out after we pull the rug out again. Yeah. I should have trusted him, but man, because it did lead to a pretty neat scene where yeah. Sartain, so his whole deal is that he says at one point that he wants to know what it feels like, I think, yeah. to be Michael. Um, and the first time I didn't catch that, well, I heard it, yeah. but I didn't understand what he meant. Yeah. And I thought he just wanted to understand Michael, mm. but he wants to understand what he feels, like literally. So mm. he wants to take Michael to Laurie Strode to have them come back together because his theory is that Michael is 100%. The reason he is out, even though I think he let him out, he wanted to set him free and he wanted Michael to find Laurie. He hasn't found Lori, so he has taken Michael and he's driving him to Lori so that they can have their final confrontation to get that closure so Sartain can see exactly what's happening. Um, yeah. but, it's, it's like this weird, like, he even said that Michael has been an obsession of his. Yeah. So that's another one right off. And I think game, he's but, projecting his obsession onto Michael, yeah. thinking that he's obsessed with Laurie, when there's not, that's really not ever really shown in the movie from my perspective. Yeah. And it's almost like he has the delusion of fame and fortune almost yeah. with this. Like little, he's going to be yeah. the next like celebrity psychologist. I kind of feel like it's more of a personal thing. Think like so? he wants to know, he wants to feel what Michael feels. He gotcha. He has some sort of weird serial killer even though i guess he's technically not a serial killer it's like Uh, it's like a dutch on the shield when that killer really puts him in his place yeah in the interrogation room great episode by the way yeah Yeah, those people that are really all about the job they do get obsessed they really want to know if i if i know what makes them tick and why they tick yeah then i'll be better because of it yeah so i guess it could be that yeah and i think so the scene that i was building up to was when he puts Michael in the back seat with Allison beside him. And so I think that's a really cool scene where yeah. Michael starts to wake up and you see his hand move. He's not yeah. dead, clearly. And that that was a good tension-building scene, I thought. Yeah. Uh, Sartain does end up getting murdered pretty quickly, which I was happy about yes. because he had served his purpose. He had taken the plot. He had put it in the back of his cop car and driven that plot yeah. to the Lori house and then released the plot right. to finish. And he got the cops on board, too. Yeah. Like, mostly. Like, they were starting to obviously see the signs. Yeah. And by the way, I, I did like all... Uh, and that's kind of a miracle for some of these uh, latter Halloween movies. I actually liked the cops in this one. <laughs> yeah, they were fun. They had that silly, like, Bon Me scene, which was just fun. Yeah, I like those guys. Uh, yeah, comedy done right with yeah. cops. They they made them more Tarantino guys yeah. than hacky stupid you know yeah. like it wasn't honk, honk. too out of place it went on a little long but it, sure. i appreciated it it was more more uh, tarantino than morning zoo so yeah. I, I liked that part about yeah. it and even that the, the cop with the with the big cowboy hat like i liked him i too. liked him a lot yeah. yeah i wish he had been in the movie more yeah i feel like he got cut out of it but yeah. i saw the deleted scenes and he's not yeah. really in it he's so. just like in and out like i felt like i needed to see him a couple more times because he was mm. he was a cool character yeah i like that part about it. talking about moving the plot along even Michael moves his stuff along with the public in a way. He's, he helps the cops. Like, the cops are important to him because he's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I get to put fuel in the tank mm-hmm. <laughs> for his kills, <laughs> you know. Oh, so yeah. it, I noticed this, this third time around, uh, the knife through the throat lady in the house, the, the straight-up home invasion, which that was just like a stop on the tour. Yeah, and I, yeah. almost, I almost wonder... Since it's still Haddonfield and it says so, or yeah. it's a town over, or whatever, 
Like, I always wondered, like, is that the old house? Like, is that supposed to be the old house? Or is that, like, the old house was demolished? Kind of like the the, yeah. the actual real old house was moved away? Yeah. And is that where the new house resides? Like, I always wondered, like, it's a it's it's a kill, and it's it's pretty obligatory. Right. But I always wondered, like, he just goes in. He already has a knife. Like, he gets, yeah. it, he gets it later on. Or no, he had it before that. Yeah, he he right gets it from that. that old that old lady. It was a nod yeah. to part two yeah. once again. Uh, so he already has a knife. I just don't understand that one. It's weird. It was a little weird. I liked that whole sequence in yeah. in the streets of Haddonfield on yeah. Halloween night. Goes back to the yeah. side. You see the shadow. Yeah, it, but it does show how more violent and just how random he is in this one. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first one, he was very calculating mm-hmm. and he. Yeah, he made it all the way to his own house without killing anyone, and he just started stalking. Well, he killed the mechanic to yeah. get the jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and but he's stalking people throughout the day leading into the night. Whereas in this one, he's just murdering left and right. Yeah. So I mean, it's forty years later. I wasn't the same person I was ten years ago. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Amen. Yeah. And also, when once he kills that lady, he walks right out the front door and leaves the door open. Yeah. So I'm just like, well, if he's just saying, come on in, like yeah. find this body. Like it was pretty frightening because it you could see where possibly Michael was trying to maybe not hide, but he wasn't being super obvious about stuff in the original, whereas in this one, he's just doing stuff left and right all over the place. He kills four people at the gas station, (laughs) at least. Yeah, Yeah. it is exactly four. So, since he's in town now, can we talk about the the kid? Can we talk about the, uh, the... So, we got the blonde babysitter who's, like, best friends with Allison. Vicky. Vicky, thank you. And she's good in it, too, actually. And that back and forth with her and the kid... Like I said, I don't know. Fun. These are my favorite kids, like in any film, probably yeah. ever. Yeah, that kid, super funny. Yeah, their back and forth is great. They're yeah. like a comedy team. It's yeah. just like the timing. I just it like, was good because you got like they the known sense. each other their whole life. Because Vicky hadn't been in a whole lot. Of, she was just kind of there sometimes. Yeah. But you go back. Uh, Linda wasn't in a whole lot either. Sure, you liked her because of totally and just because she's kind of a, a fun person. Yeah. And yeah, you're because, right. She is the Linda. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, because Annie was a lot more developed because her yeah. and Lori talked a lot more. And I guess there's no Annie in this one. No, not really. It's like her her other friend is kind of the Annie yeah. in a weird way. And but I think we'll some things had to be sacrificed because there's less of a focus on that group of people. Which, when we get to my kind of wishes, that's going to be part of it. Sure. But yeah, Vicky and I forget the kid's name. Yeah, but yeah, he's awesome. So Rob Zombie took so many scenes with Lori and the kids she was babysitting to try to build those characters, and it was fine. But this one, it's just that one scene where Vicky's on the phone and the kid's clipping his toenails on the couch. <laughs> it's only a couple minutes, but it's so good and memorable. Mm. And I think that's one thing that the writers, uh, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, did super yeah. duper well is that characters that are on screen for like a minute, you remember them and you like them because yeah. of something they said. The kid in the car in the beginning that did get killed. Yeah, the, uh, the dance kid. Yeah, yeah, his dad's taking him out to go on a hunting trip. And he's like, yeah, I love you, dad, but my dance class is tonight and I really enjoy that. And I like doing this with you, but not on the night when I have my dance class. Can yeah. we do it later? And you know why he's doing that. You don't even need to know anything after yeah. that. You know why the dad's doing this because yeah. of the kind of guy he seems to be. Yeah, and so there's all of that. In like a minute scene, yeah. and you remember this kid, and you feel bad for him when he dies, not just because he's a little kid, yeah. but also because you 
were endeared to him. Yeah, he's going to break out of this southern town, and yeah. he's or not, it's the Midwest, but yeah. it's still is, there's rednecks everywhere, like uh, someone said once. And yeah. uh, he's going to be that that kid. Yeah, and I felt for him. I was like, you're going to do it. Yeah, and yeah, and. Even there's a little bit of comedy in there, even though it's a serious conversation. Yeah, it's very matter of fact. It's a little bit of attention. Yeah, it's a little bit of attention breaker. The yeah. the pinball scene's attention breaker. Yeah, I like it. McBride was like, you know, we're known as comedy guys, yeah. but there is probably one total page of comedy in this whole thing. Yeah. but when it's there, man, it's on. But Vicky and, and the kid, and they're kind of antagonistic, <laughs> like kind of ripping on each other in that yeah. scene. And then the very next scene when she's putting him to bed, you're like. You're, you're my favorite you're my favorite too and it's yeah. like the sweet thing oh. and you're like all right well i love both yeah. of these people yeah. like they can't die or they're gonna <laughs> die because i love them now yeah and then so michael has entered this house now he's yeah. been in the closet the whole time which is yeah that goes back to something i said about why michael is scary and why he's why he's really scary when you're a kid because yeah. he is the epitome of the boogeyman yeah if you were born after 1978 He's always been the boogeyman yeah. in your nightmares. Yeah. So he's in the goddamn closet. I had to shut my closet when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Same thing. Yeah. And because of freaking the shape. Yeah. And when he is like, he is in my closet and you know that he's right. You don't know yet that he is right yeah. the first time. But when he goes down there, and the best part is, he obviously doesn't like Dave as much. Because here's the thing, yeah. he obviously does have a crush on his babysitter. Yeah. And I could see where he'd be like, I'm going to be dating her right. as soon as I get of age. Right. So there's that. And then he was like, no, don't don't go up there, send Dave. Yeah. I love that. He's trying to walk out of the door with right. her hand in hand. Yeah. He's going to save her life at... At the boyfriend's expense. Yeah. And then, so not only does he do it once, but he does it again. Yeah. Because, because when he's leaving, I'm spoiling the whole thing. But I just, I have to. Yeah. But after he says, send Dave up, and then when shit goes awry, she gets killed, obviously. But when he's running, when he's running away because Dave is outside fucking around with that motorcycle, yeah. he comes back in because he hears screams. And then, without breaking pace, the kid's running out there, yeah. and then he's just like... If you go up there, you're gonna die, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like out of there. Yeah, and it's so good, man. And that's real shit. Like yeah. that is, I I truly believe that if that was really happening, that's exactly what a kid would say. Yeah, he'd probably be screaming a little bit more, but it's great. The first time I saw that, I liked everything up until the point where Michael started attacking, and then I was a little annoyed with how kind of uh, flippant the kid seemed, the way he was written. Yeah. Um, where he was not cracking a joke, but the levity of his character in that scene when Vicky is getting killed. Yeah. Uh, upon my second and third watching, I it doesn't bother me really yeah. anymore. I I still I enjoy it, and I like the line like "You're gonna die up there." It's like, yeah, he is. Like, I I love lines like that yeah. where it has a double meaning. Yeah. Like they're telling you exactly what's going to happen in the movie, although it makes sense within the context yeah. of the character as well. And he's obviously, I mean, you mentioned, um, he's the Bob. I mean, if, yeah. if he's the, uh, uh, yeah, her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's the parallel to those characters because of how he bites it. No, yeah. you know, I don't think it was, I like the not knowing. I like not seeing the physicality there yeah. because we've seen that scene. This is a true sequel. Yeah. So we don't need to see a guy pinned up against the wall again with a knife. Yeah. It just happened again. Yeah. Because you've seen it a number yeah. of times now. And we've seen it the best. Yeah. We don't need to see it again. Yeah. So absolutely. It, it, everything just plays, man. Yeah. I, I'm, was, like I said, I was trying to come up with something 
that I could nitpick about this since we're doing this little podcast mm-hmm. here, but it really is the Sartain thing. Like, and even then, once again, it didn't kill the movie, but that's the only thing. Yeah. And then knowing what I've seen now in some of the deleted scenes, mm-hmm. which I know you're going to get to, but yeah, I would have changed a couple of things. Yeah. This is uh, this is so good. I, I just could glom about this forever. <laughs> um, by the way, no one has clotheslines anymore. That's really my only other nitpick. Yeah. Clotheslines outside, no. All these modern dryers, those are really nice houses. Yeah. They've got like the Starship Enterprise dryers in their yeah, house. Right. Or if they don't, they've got all these awesome metal bars hanging above their doors. No one's using clotheslines anymore. I love the reference. I yeah. get it. And that's yeah. why it's there. Yeah. But none of these rich-ass houses have clotheslines yeah. outside. They just don't. I used clotheslines in Japan when I was there. Really? They don't have dryers. Yeah. Hardly. I only have two other quick things, because I know we got to get to a few more things. Uh, so, I bring up the clotheslines. This is in my notes. I'm just clearing out my notes here. Sure. So, the uh, the best friend, the the third wheel. Uh, yeah. Uh, I forget his name, and I forget his actor name. He's actually good in this movie. And, you know, he's outward dialogue guy, too. But Oscar. Thank you, Oscar. So, his death. And I really like that build-up. Yeah. Because who can't relate to that scene a little bit? The motion. Oh, yeah. Well, I know I can. Yeah. <laughs> the motion but, scene, the motion lights plus, yeah, the, the, the best friend who friends with the best friend's girl, but also just any girl that you're friends with that doesn't feel the same way, yeah. Yeah, the second time around is when I really realized this, mm. is that this can't be coincidence, yeah. is that he's playing the Philip Seymour Hoffman character in Boogie Nights, while the idea of what it could be is a little reversed for this, and yeah. it actually goes into a more Americana traditional sense. Yeah. But, okay, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman tries to kiss Mark Wahlberg in Boogie Nights. Yeah. Sorry, I said there were going to be spoilers. We just didn't <laughs> say for what movies. <laughs> And then he immediately gets pushed off before yeah. he can get the kiss. And he gets a little bit of a kiss in. Gets pushed off. Like, hey, what the fuck? And then he just goes, oh, I'm, you, you give me signals. You look at me sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm really drunk right now. Does that sound exactly like that scene? It does, yeah. It's the same scene. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if that was Danny or the director or whatever, but yeah. really good nod. And I almost was wondering, like, is that guy a Philip Seymour Hoffman fan? Did he choose that? Is it in the script exactly that way? Like, I, yeah. I would love to know. That would be, like, my Comic-Con question. Like, sure. excuse me. Uh, but I like it. And it's yeah. an awesome nod to one of my favorite films ever. Yeah. Okay, so that all being said. And by the way, the director said that death with the with the mouth going through the gate thing. I'm pointing uh-huh. to my great radio. Yeah. Uh, but the, the top of the gate, metal gate, going through his mouth mm. from the bottom outside. Mm-hmm. He goes, that's always been in a nightmare of mine. I had to put uh-huh. it in this movie yeah. and put it to bed. Really cool. It's a gnarly image. Super duper. And my last note before I send it all over to you, Chris, <laughs> is, you know, we were talking about how Michael or some of these sequels do some of the same things. And you're yeah. like, huh, I never realized, once again, how many pumpkin head kills? That's what I like to call them. Mm-hmm. Pumpkin head kills. You step on the pumpkin, it oh, goes yeah. squish. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah, no, with no semblance of bones. Yeah, right. Well, it shows <laughs> how strong he is. Yeah, I know. But that's how Sartain eats it. Yeah. I meant to bring that up when we were he talking about it. Yeah. He, he eats the feet and his his head goes squish. Mm-hmm. How many of these? I mean, I wish I'd have been keeping count. I didn't know to keep count because yeah. there's a few of them in there's here. There's a few. I remember the one from the, because we just watched the Rob Zombie ones, the <laughs> one from the second one, yeah. the, the bouncer dude. Yeah, so I was just like, huh, Yeah, is that a thing? Because, like I said, I think it's safe to call it a pumpkin head kill, not sure. the movie pumpkin yeah. head, but it makes sense because it's Halloween. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Chris, <laughs> continue. Well, we've talked about most of the movie 
except for the final scene, which is a huge part of the movie, and it's what everything was building towards. Even at the expense of maybe some of the middle parts of the movie, the final scene where Michael is at Lori's compound, and she's been preparing for battle for nearly 40 years, and what did you think overall of this scene? There were so many callbacks to the original, but it was basically a flip, for the most part, of Lori stalking Michael after a while. It's really super interesting about the layers in there yeah. because it's different on repeated viewings. Yeah. Because you understand that on the surface this is the hunter becoming the hunted if yeah. I can use a cliche. Yeah. But even when you think she drops all that, she's doing it on purpose. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, like, and, and but but like going here's a here's a reference to number one. Yeah, the closet, the yeah. the the closet that she hides in. They did like two fake. They did a fake out closet and then they did the the and, other closet upstairs. But I once again I think that works yeah. because it's two false finishes basically. Yeah. Like she has like that's weird. She has it on the first floor yeah. in her compound in her living room, yeah. which is supposed to be the room you spend the most time right. in. She's got this thing. That is exactly like that thing that yeah. was in that room. That's weird. Yeah. The but, room upstairs is laid out almost exactly like the room of the final scene of the original with the balcony, like the door on this one side and then the balcony across diagonally on the outside. And it's shot in a lot of similar ways too because they do end up going going out uh, towards it. And yeah, so... Everything's reversed. Yeah, it's... You're right. Yeah, it's... it's everything is a reverse. Yeah. Um, the, even even the theme song is reversed at, when the credits roll. Just wanted to point that out because I'm not going to at the end. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, and the even the scene that we talked about so much and the first one that was kind of emulated throughout the series coming out of the dark, but it's Laurie coming out of the dark behind Michael. Yeah, um, it's yeah. I think it's well done. It, it's fun, and I like that it wasn't just Laurie just hunting him the entire time. There was back and forth. And it was still scary because if it hadn't been, if Michael hadn't been, if it hadn't felt like Michael was super dangerous and she was just like home aloneing her house, yeah. it wouldn't have been scary. And no. there was a little bit of that, but, but it was towards the end. And it's really great that they introduced her family into this yeah. because that's the true, because you know she don't give a shit what happened to her. Yeah. But she does want to protect her family at the end of the day. Yeah. And she even said, like, it's all worth it if they're safe and they yeah. can defend themselves and blah, blah, blah. So there's a, I get to more of that later. Yeah. But yeah, it's I'm glad it wasn't home alone. I'm glad that she had something to care about in that room yeah. or else she would have just blown the fucking thing out. Like yeah. you had to have that. She would have just destroyed it with herself in it, I'm yeah. sure because It would have looked like that Friday the 13th part 7 house was right. <laughs> Cuz when you think about it, the Lori character in this universe in this timeline has spent 40 years preparing for this one night. So now that it's apparently over for her in this moment, we know there's more movies coming out. Yeah. Like, what does she do? If her family hadn't been there, I don't think... Just This is just me, like, presuming. But I don't see that Lori character thinking that there would be anything else beyond that. Especially the way her daughter had treated her through the movie. Yeah. Not that she treated her bad, okay. because it makes sense. You understand why. Yeah, and not that Allison had treated her bad, because yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. But having them kind of being on the outs, and Laurie knowing that she'd killed... Like, if she had stayed there and made sure he died because she died with him, yeah. it would have made the most sense to me. Yeah. But since 
Karen and Allison were down in the basement, she had to go and she had to kill him and survive to survive for her yeah. family. And, you know, I, when you go back and watch it in repeated viewings, which yeah. is why it's a good payoff to go back again, yeah. there's a thing that I saw in the first time around. I was like, what the fuck? This is such a bad move mm. on this character's part. Why would you write this? Mm. She goes right up to her front door and immediately Michael's arm goes through the window glass. By the way, she has glass in her window. What the fuck is that? Well, First of all, you've got 12 locks in glass. Well, Ray had gone out and he had left the, the gate open. So Right, there's that. But uh, So I was like, why the hell she like put her entire body up against the door? Yeah. That is like horror movie 101 yeah. not to do that. But when you watch it again, you're like... She wanted that to yeah. happen. She wants so him to he, come inside. He has to get in the house or else this doesn't work. Yeah. So she put herself on the line just for phase one. Yeah. I mean, there's like five phases in this or something. It goes back to the line where she told the police that I w- for every day for 40 years, I prayed for him to escape. And that's why. Because she needed him to go to her house to where she had prepared and yeah. she knew she knew what she was doing the yeah. entire time yeah. even though she was scared yeah. because it's this thing that's been haunting her for yeah. four years the she underneath she was still in enough control to to do what she needed to do to get in the right position yeah, yeah if they if they didn't want to just call it like i said i guess calling it halloween like that's still weird because it's supposed to be the true sequel. Yeah, and it's the third Halloween. Yeah, like, just called Halloween. Right. I guess. But and, and they since there's call, already two Halloween, I was going to say they couldn't call it Halloween two. That, but that's why the next ones like they have completely <laughs> demolished the yeah. numbering system. Yeah. Never, like you can't number anything. Yeah. You have to just do yeah. subtitles it's, and remember. It's never coming back. It has to yeah. be storybook now. Yeah. And. Like I said, it would have been a spoiler if it had called Halloween Home Field Advantage. Right. Because that's really what it is. <laughs> Halloween Homecoming. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Oh, hey, they haven't used it yet? Yeah, yeah. All right, Chris. We've got one more thing to do before we do Kill Count and wrap it up. Yeah. And I didn't think this would be, like, that long of an episode because usually I'm like, hey, we're going to kiss this movie's ass. What's yeah. to talk about? But yeah, there's, I mean, not? there's a lot to it. And it's a really well-made movie. I do enjoy it. There are a few things, as I previously mentioned, that I might have done differently. I initially felt this way coming out of the theater when we saw it a little bit stronger, even though I did enjoy it that time as well. I enjoyed it enough to go back and see it again. And I did like it quite a bit. But if it had been me, I would have pushed some of the certain story and character elements further than what we actually got because what we got was really good but i would have expanded the role of allison i would have made her the lead i wouldn't have necessarily made Lori kind of the default lead i I would say she's probably the lead i think maybe if i had to theorize why they did it this way Mm. actually it's probably because of h2o yeah i feel like maybe even some people was like i kind of wish we'd have had more Lori in it than her kid so maybe that could have been the reason she was a pretty I mean, she was pretty much the lead well, in that one, too. She was too. the star of it, but there was a lot to do with the kids, yeah, which is fine. Son, you, you do yeah. need to make it about the kids, too. But, yeah, I, this is a time where I actually would have liked it because she is a good actress. Yeah. Great screamer, by the way. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. It's not somebody you had to dub in the scream like yeah. a few of these other ones. Yeah, the Allison character I thought was really good. But, yeah, well, there's deleted scenes that actually do expand it just a little bit. Yeah, Allison and her friends. Like, like I said... Her friends are done well enough to where we care about them or we don't care about them <laughs> right. as we, we need to. Yeah. 
And that's only just the one guy, really. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, both boyfriends. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Oscar dude is a little bit kind of a creepy guy at the end of the day. Because yeah. um, he should just be open. But when you're a kid, like, are you open with well, that kind of stuff? No, I meant the two main boyfriends. Like, not, not, the, oh. not the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. The Jack White guy. Yeah. The Jack White, Jared Leto guy. <laughs> yeah. And then just the guy that kind of looks like this weird combination of like joseph gordon levitt and one of the savage brothers or something like that anyway (laughs) but it's a call back to h2o once again but what i would have done is i would have had michael so one thing that i didn't necessarily get in the way the movie is now that i got in the original is that michael wasn't really stalking anyone up to a certain point eventually he does see allison and he starts to follow her but it's really late and there's no stalking up to that point he's just going to back to Haddonfield and he's just randomly murdering people there's no rhyme or reason to what he's doing and even though we don't know why we know what he's doing in the original he's clearly stalking these people throughout the day and we see him over and over and over again and you don't know if you heard that conversation between Allison and the cops yeah because you know you don't know where he is he has just killed so maybe he yeah. did stick around because that's the only way for him to even know that they're connected in any way because i don't recall seeing any of that if they'd have had a scene where like when laurie's outside the school giving the money to yeah. allison they could have had a scene of michael maybe watching yeah. from afar uh because he was already in town yeah because of the whole uh killing the podcasters thing yeah. like you know maybe because he they stalked him at the graveyard yeah so there's that so maybe they could have had that too. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe that's not really going into the... Maybe that's not consistent storytelling. I don't know where he is at that time. I don't know where his timeline is. But, you know, something, a shot like that maybe to establish their relationship with Michael. Yeah. And something like that. I would have... What I would have downplayed is the connection between Michael and Lori. I would like to have seen... I think it would have been a more, like, heartbreaking movie if... Lori had been preparing for 40 years for this one person to come back so she could kill him. She's focused completely on Michael Myers, but when Michael Myers finally escapes and he comes back to Haddonfield, he's not looking for Lori. That is the furthest thing from his mind. He hasn't been thinking about her for 40 years. That was a one night. He saw her that one day. He tried to get her. He missed her. He didn't get her when he goes back to Smith's Grove. Like, he, that's not what his deal is. Hmm. And so you retcon out the fact that they're brother and sister. Yeah. Go even further and retcon out that for some reason he's focused on Lori. He's not. He's just this force of nature that's there that fixates on whatever he sees. Have him fixate on Allison and have the bulk of the movie, like two-thirds of the movie, be kind of a recreation of the original hmm. of Michael stalking Lori and her friends, but have it be Allison and her friends. And I think that would have built a lot more tension throughout the movie. Because I didn't feel a whole lot of tension in this one. It was just walk to a place, murder a person, walk to a place, murder a person. Allison gets away really, not easily, but she gets away really quickly. The first time she is started to be chased by Michael, she immediately goes to a house and they let her in and she calls the cops. I think in the sequel she's going to really go through it. Like I think now that we've established her. Just establishing her right then and there. And the fact that she did have it so kind of sort of easy in this first one, even though one of her friends got murdered pretty close in her vicinity. I think now she's going to be really in for it this time. And he knows her now. He knows what she looks like. 
So I think I'd say I'd say wait till the sequel on that one. Well, yeah, and and this one, I mean, I think you could do a lot of things because now Michael, regardless of what he felt before, he's going to be after Lori because she tried to kill him, and she yeah. probably did maybe <laughs> in this one. Who knows what really happened? Sure, <laughs> but there is a deleted scene that we watched where Allison is jogging in in the daytime. And at the end of the scene, that's the one where the, you said they killed the dog. We see a dog hanging from the tree. Um, there should have been some bites out of it. He should have eaten part of it or something. Right. Ooh. Yeah, maybe not. They yeah. didn't show it close, yeah. but he eats dogs. That's what yeah. he does. Um, well, but this, this one's just a, uh, like, do not disturb sign, basically. Yeah, cause... basically. <laughs> so I don't really like that that part of the scene. I don't think that's necessary to see yeah. the dog hanging there. Because that, that's not something that I really feel like the Michael of old would have done. But maybe this new one would. But... The end of that scene, you see Allison grossed out and she goes away. Behind her in the distance, you see a maskless Michael staring at her from down the street. Yeah. I wish they had built upon that. And I think it would have... The tension of Michael in the closet where Vicky was babysitting, although we didn't know that until later, we started to get the sense of it when the kid runs out and says there's someone in my room. Right, we right. know from that point. But I would have liked to see a lot more of that throughout the movie. Sure. And I would want to have Lori... She knows that Michael is out because the murders have been reported. She has to she saw leave... saw the bus crash on the news. Yeah, yeah, she has to leave her stronghold and come back to Haddonfield proper in order to chase Michael rather than just having Michael placed at her doorstep. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was kind of a cheat. Yeah. I didn't like really that... He was just picked up and taken there because the Sartain character, even though I sort of liked parts of him, yeah. he was just there to get them together. I guess that's obviously why they put that whole thing in there. Yeah. Okay, now how do we get rid of him? You know, he's already going to kill a guy, he's going to kill the husband, so we have to have kind of a different variable here. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. So I guess they just, that seems to me like the last thing they put in the script almost. The Sartain thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they as had far to... as like his arc, his final arc. Well, yeah, no, I mean, not even about the Sartain thing. I'm I'm just talking about how he gets to the house. The process of getting Michael to the house. Like, I would rather have had Lori go to Michael and be like, hey, it's me you want, and have him be like, you're too much trouble. I don't care. I don't really even know who you are anymore because I haven't seen you for 40 years. Right. This is the person that I focused on, and that's who I'm going after. Or it could have been this weird thing where uh, Lori doesn't show up. Uh, at her daughter's house and doesn't pick him up to be taken away by the cops but the cops come to their house yeah. and it's just those two there uh the the mother and the father and they were like well the only place we actually really feel safe at weirdly enough is my mom's house so yeah. take us there yeah. and they do and then when she gets there leading michael in like yeah. what are you doing here <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> that have been that's probably more of a 90s thing than like today they could have done that too but me personally i would <laughs> sure. rather have seen the whole thing play out away from all that i wanted yeah. it to be i didn't i don't want the traps and the whatnot yeah. you could do it in the next one <laughs> yeah because that <laughs> that would have been great for the last one <laughs> yeah to me that is Lori absolutely becoming Dr. Loomis. She's the crazy person running through the streets with a gun. Yeah. Where that's what Loomis was doing in the original one. Yeah, I like that. And that plays into the Sartain being the anti-Loomis. He wants to be Michael. Lori wants to stop all of this, you know. So I I just feel, I feel like that would have been more satisfying to me. Although I did like what we got. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. It's a trap. (laughs) Yeah. All right. That's about, that's almost kind of a good non-spoiler sort of spoiler okay can we get to the kills 
I yes. mean, there's... It's a big well, one. Yeah. It's not as big as Zombies, but it's one of the bigger ones in the entire series. I'm going to say... I'm going to do a pre-guess, if I may. Okay. And don't tell me until the end. Okay. But Zombie had like 20 apiece, right? Yes. 20 plus if you count the dream sequence in the director's yeah, cut with the, the pit of people. I'm just glad we're not counting any of it anymore. <laughs> At least uh, in this series. Yeah. We're going to have to do a wrap-up, of course. Yes. I'm going to say... 14. Let's go with 14. You're, do you want me to tell just me go at the end? Tell okay. me at the end. So see if I'm going the showcase showdown. Here. Okay. Number one is the the kid that we talked about that wanted to be in the dance class. He should have been in dance class because he got murdered. He got his neck broken in the car when his dad stopped to check on the people in the bus. Well, like father, like son. Yeah. Uh, number two that we saw. These are maybe not in actual order, but order that we saw them in. Sure. Uh, one of the guards from the bus, whenever one of the other police officers shows up, was seen dead at the crash outside the bus. So pretty sure Michael probably killed that guy. Number three, it was the father of the little boy. We didn't see him die, but he was dead on the side of the bus whenever everybody was being attended to. Yeah, his head was pushed all the way behind his head. Yeah. Um, we never see the driver, so I'm not sure. So I'm not going to count yeah, it. Yeah, nobody, no death. Yeah. And I don't think any of the other inmates really die in this I thing. don't think so. They were just kind of walking around. Yeah. Uh, number four, we're at the gas station. One of the, the mechanics or whatever in the background when the female podcaster is going for the bathroom key, we see Michael hammering a guy in the background. So that's clearly a death. That's number four. Yeah. Uh, number five. I've mi- missed it every time, oh, too, really? by the way. I really have. Oh, okay. I know. It's yeah. a, I'm blind to that one. Yeah. But this time around, I did see Michael pull up to the gas yeah. station, immediately clock the guy. Uh, not, not punch, but yeah. like <laughs> he, he looked at him, and then you saw him walk past him out of focus. Yeah. Like, yeah, in yeah. The, oh man, I love that. So I, I still have, I see that hand, I gotta watch it again now. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Number five is the gas station attendant. Uh, we saw him later, we saw the aftermath. Yeah. His mouth was completely ripped open, um, which we find out in the next kill, or actually two kills away. The next one is Aaron, the male podcaster. Whenever Michael is accosting his female friend in the bathroom, Aaron goes in there and discovers Michael, and Michael bashes his head up against multiple bathroom walls. Yeah. He is slowly killed. Yeah, because like he, he does witness the death of this woman, but he's just so out of it, he can't physically do anything. Yeah, it's crazy. because he's on his way to death as well. I know, it's that's a, that's a heartbreaker. Yeah. Number seven is his female friend, Dana. She was strangled in a bathroom stall after Michael had dumped the teeth from the gas station attendant in front of her in the in front of the stall. It's nice to see that he was taking a correspondence course while he was locked up, though. <laughs> DDS. Yes. So, uh, yeah. And in the lead scenes, we learned that the podcasting uh, couple is an actual couple. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't know if I like that scene so I, much. I didn't either, but something to point out, I guess. Yeah. You know? I'm kind of glad they left that one out. Sure. Of course, pacing too. I'm not sure where that would have gone. Nah, I don't yeah. think it... They didn't need it. They had served their purpose. They exactly. They needed to, to move along. I'm glad we got the one motel scene though, yeah. with, the, with the tape recorder. That was yeah. about it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, number eight was the older woman in the house where Michael goes around back, grabs a hammer, goes inside. It's that nice kind of wide shot where you just see the doorway kind of on the right side of the screen. And the kill actually happens off screen because they both walk back into the kitchen. You hear pounding and screams. And then we walk in with the all-in-one shot and you see her face down, blood all over the table. And that's where Michael gets the knife, which he takes to the next house in Haddonfield. 
where we see the woman talking on the phone. The camera is placed down on the front window of her house. We see the shadow going by on the outside window on the side of the house. Really nicely choreographed scene. Yeah. And then when the woman comes up to shut the blinds because she's getting nervous about something, stabbed right through the throat. Yeah. Like, just real quick. So, a random kill, but I think, like you said, that kind of feels a lot... Well, it's obviously a lot like Halloween 2, one of those early scenes, the long first-person view, where he doesn't kill the old woman... But um, he does this time. That's yeah. kind of the representative of that old woman, yeah. I feel. And like then, that first one. Yeah, yeah, and then the woman on the phone, she dies in, well, not the TV version, but right. in, in the theatrical version, woman talking on the phone, she dies after her conversation. So in like a two-minute span, they do three references to part two, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the boombox kid yeah. and the two women. Oh, side note on this one. the Talking about part two, the old woman and the old man that don't get killed their last name is elrod oscar which we'll get to in a second here he says sorry mr elrod so that's a reference to that couple yeah that's awesome that that is the ultimate fanboy deep cut right there yeah uh number 10 is vicky the blonde babysitter the only babysitter that gets killed in this movie yeah Uh, she is stabbed a bunch as her her friend runs away screaming or quipping i should say and then number 11 is her boyfriend, Dave. He is stabbed onto a wall. We don't see it, but we see the aftermath and we see his tattoo of the date of Halloween, yeah. which we get a little bit more in the deleted scenes for that, too. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to help the coroner, too. Oh, yeah. They dated it yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, so some of the deleted scenes, I'll go ahead and talk about them here because there's not a, really a better place to put it. I liked the one where they were talking about this because they actually set up the tattoo and Dave was talking to Vicky earlier. They're telling Allison why they can't go to the dance because she has to babysit. And yeah. he's like, hey, we'll get tattoos because we're going to do stuff tonight. Yeah. And it's it was Have a fun thing. <laughs> they don't say that. The next death would be Oscar, the aforementioned Oscar, and that really cool thing with the motion sensor lights and yeah. the Mr. Elrod. I like the build-up to this, because mm-hmm. he thinks it's Mr. Elrod, and he's like, yeah. sorry, dude, I'm drunk, he's out of it a little bit, and he just wants to kind of go away. Yeah, like I said, all the bad outer dialogue from Hall- Halloween Resurrection, Yeah, like, it all works in this movie. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's because the writing is better. Yeah. He's doing this really humorous talking to him, kind of talking shit, but not too much, but yeah. it, it's a humorous scene, but it is totally working. Yeah. And that's just, it, it one of the best scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. And, yeah, like, modern referencing and humor mm. working in this old-school feel of a horror movie. Yeah. That's hard to pull off. Yeah. Especially with people like us. Right. And he is stabbed and then impaled on the gate. We don't see him physically impaled, yeah. but Lori hears the screams, and she thinks he's just being a, a dumb, drunk jerk for a yeah. while. Yeah. But she eventually does come back, and she sees the aftermath, and that's when she yeah. runs away. That's when she sees Michael, and the, yeah. that cool air raid siren music cue goes yeah. off. Number 13... Ooh is am i gonna gonna get it i'm gonna get it sorry number 13 is hawkins the police officer who was killed by dr sartain i went over i went over i can already tell number 14 is dr sartain he is killed by michael myers pumpkin head style uh number 15 is one of the deputies the bon me cops he is his throat is cut i think which one i don't remember which one it was okay Uh, so yeah he got a knife in the head actually like, he's got the knife in the head. I think his throat is also cut. He got, like, two things. Right? I just saw it. I'm pretty sure I saw you a saw knife, in his, a knife in his head. Yeah. 
Number 15 was uh, Deputy Walker was his name. Number 16 was the other deputy, Deputy Keeves. He was completely decapitated. Yes, and put in as a prop pumpkin for darkness reasons. Yeah. I mean, think about the post setup here after the kill. Yeah. What Michael went through right. for this prank. Yeah. This is a prank. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's, I mean, does that make it the best kill in the movie? Because it's just so creative. Mm, I don't know. Do you I think mean... Pumpkinhead is, <laughs> is a different kind of Pumpkinhead? Yeah. Does that make it the best kill or is the gate the best kill? I'm, I'm torn now. It's tough because you don't actually see those, either one of them. Yeah. You just see the aftermath, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I haven't even made my decision yet. They're both um, super creative as all get out. We have one more death. Okay. Number and... 17 is the father, Ray. He is strangled on the front like lawn of Lori's abode yeah, by like a chain or something yeah and then number 18 question mark is michael myers <laughs> yeah i don't i'm not counting him I'm no because they're, because they're making two more movies well they could, they could be prequels <laughs> oh please don't do could that be. please don't you do don't that. know that in this movie as it is he might have been killed yeah. But we do hear the breathing in the at the end of the credits, yeah. so I'm not counting Michael. Yeah, don't count Michael. Yeah. Even then, I went over. I was, was off by three. 17 total, 16 of those were Michael Myers. So you were close. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So Favorite kill? Man, I really don't know. The, it's tough because it is so opposed to like what Rob Zombie did. You don't see a whole lot yeah. of this. You just see the aftermath. Yeah, except uh, a couple of times, you know. Yeah, like, you see some of them, but yeah. for the most part, like I said, you see, you see the aftermath. I'm gonna go with the cops. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm picking the cops. All right, I'm gonna go with Oscar. Okay, no, that's good. I like that yeah. because they're they're both awesome. It's a good image, and I like the motion detector lights. And you feel more for him. Yeah, sort of, sort of. Yeah, I mean, those cops. Like I said, those cops did a good job in yeah. a minute at making me like appreciate them. Yeah, you know, good kind of comedy once yeah. again. All right, let's get out of here, Chris. All right. I mean, this is great. We were almost... We could probably yeah. talk about this all night. Yeah. And we might talk about it more afterwards, but the next episode that you will hear will be the wrap-up of the entire Halloween franchise, and you'll be able to find it on cnjradio.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anything else, The Last Theater on Twitter, and yeah, let us know what you think of the entirety of the Halloween franchise. Did you love this movie? We clearly did. Uh, where will it rank? Find out on the next episode. See ya. Bye. I heard you telling your friends to come over here and you're going to smoke some weed. No, no. That Alakazam? Julian, I'm talking about like a, you know, like a mad magic trick, like abracadabra. I know you're talking about smoking weed. Don't lie to me. That's against the rules. I'm telling my mom. Well, I'm going to tell your mom about your browser history. You better not. You can get me in trouble, I can get you in trouble. He used to be my favorite, but now you're like my 10th favorite boy that I nanny. And I babysit some fucking loser kids. If I had some other kind of babysitter, she'd be reading me a story. I wouldn't be up clipping my nasty ass toenails. Uh-huh. Go to bed. By the way, you're actually my favorite kid I babysit for. I like you too.